To Daydream Believers Podcast. I'm your host, Space Orphan 18. Oh, God, I am messing these up all the time these days. Space Orphan 18. Today we are actually talking about the second part of our first time two-parter. Um, we're going to get into the nitty-gritties of the, the script and talk about some BTS stuff and, and general themes that came out of this episode. And joining me today are Miss Honeysuckle Pink, and hi, Miss Layer Kitty. Hello. And uh, uh, Teach. Hi. Hi, guys. All right. So we got the script. Um, there, it is no longer a thing anymore. I went and looked. Um, but the boxing project was this huge thing that started out of season three. Um, yeah, and and that I guess we can in a roundabout way when we get to that we can touch on that too. Yeah, they they were a, they still are. They're just a different name and a different thing that they do now. But they um, for charity rose a bunch of money to um, get the the deleted scene from Extraordinary Merry Christmas, which was Kurt and Blaine and the box scene, which we've all now seen because Ryan Murphy put it on YouTube. And um, what they were doing for a while is that they would go to auctions and get these scripts. So we lucked out and we got a script for the first time, which I have in front of me here. Um, it's signed by um, Darren and Chris and Leah and Corey. And there's two other signatures here yeah. that I can't make out. I don't know whose these are. Um, uh, I'm sure maybe they're not like the director and the... They um, don't look like well, it. I think one of them is Cord Overstreet. Which is weird. He wasn't on the show at the time. (laughs) And it really looks like it does. That's what I thought it was, but I'm like, really, I don't know. It could just be that they handed him some stuff to sign and didn't even think about whether or not he was in it. So I don't know. Possibly. So yeah, but this Leah, Darren, Corey, Ben. Um, let's see. Maybe one of. Is that a jank? I have, man, it's one of those things where someone just decided to start doing a squiggle. Yep. <laughs> it, it, uh. it, it really looks like Jacob and Israel, but he wouldn't have signed it that way. Yeah, it does look <laughs> like it. Possibly said Roberto Aguirre. Yeah, maybe. I'll, maybe I'll try and get a screenshot of it up on Tumblr and our Tumblr CSI people can figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's either that or if somebody who was in with the box scene at the time they got this knows who signed it. They could always say who signed it. 
because they would have gotten a certificate of authenticity at the time. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, um, so we open, and we do have a little bit of difference right off the bat in Artie's voiceover stuff um, that I wanted to mention because there, there's this uh, little bit that I'm going to read out loud. Um, you see this face? This is what enlightenment looks like. It doesn't matter if he is in a prison like Gandhi or trapped inside a woman's body like Chaz Bono or stuck in a wheelchair like me. When a man finds his calling, all is right in the world. It's <sighs> just so many things you could say. Poor Artie. I'm like, well, I don't really feel bad for Artie. But <laughs> He's just so clueless. So, uh, oh, yes. Yeah. In the script, it's a little bit more pronounced um, that he's really struggling a little bit more with this director stuff, but. I don't know. I'm kind of glad that they cut a lot of it. There's more. Um, he tells. Oh, yes. Yeah, because I feel like that wasn't needed. So yeah. There he um he tells Artie to lose. Uh, not Artie. He tells Rory to lose the accent. He tells Mike that he says, "Hey, Mike, that Asian thing. Not really buying it. <laughs> I'm trying to understand oh your motivation. It's genetics. What are you talking about? It's too in your comfort zone. Push yourself harder. What, what the hell?" <laughs> Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, that is why that is all. Directed. Yeah, I feel like the the it doesn't work, and that was a they cut that for good reason. Yes, that was a good edit. Something I should mention: a lot of the things that uh, at least I've noticed when we've gotten scripts for Glee uh, is that it, they've often made changes a lot for the better, and we'll talk more about this in a second when we get into the first Clint Kurt Blaine thing, but um. A lot of times, these scripts are just, I don't know, uh, I'm, the production and the, the director and the actors and the, the people doing the props, and the, they just make the show so much better than what the writing is on the script. So. On paper, there are some things that would not work that they managed to make work because the actors and everybody. So. Although I can I, think of many a scene that should not have worked that only worked because of who was in it and how they played it. There, there yeah. is that. Although I think that the production team did a little disservice with Blaine and Rachel in the very next scene where they were um, they're performing tonight. They're supposed to be three days away from the show, and yet they were both still on script. And you must be Rachel would have been off book within an hour. Rachel would have been well, off She wouldn't have even needed the book. I know, exactly. <laughs> she probably was off book before the audition. Exactly. <laughs> she was probably been doing that off book since she was five. <laughs> so the she fact that they had the two of them standing there reading the music like they were really deep in thought into, you know, what the words were. I'm like, no, that just doesn't fly with me. Uh, uh, I never thought of it that way, but I'm glad you pointed that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's not script that they're supposed to be looking at their music it just says they're mid number mm-hmm. so i don't know who put the scripts in their hands but that was that to me that was a bad move maybe blaine was off maybe blaine wasn't off script yet because blaine's very much like darren and keeps forgetting the damn lyrics and <laughs> rachel decided to just but be supportive and not make it awkward um, uh, so, um, going in the next, uh, the big cut that, that concerns Kurt, um, we have mm-hmm. this scene that is, um, Kurt and Finn. And does anybody else have this script up? Or uh, yes. yes. Anybody want to read this with me? 
Okay, so interior, Hummel House night, close on a tasteful floral arrangement. Kurt hands over a menu. Okay, here's tomorrow's menu. Finn, Omaha steaks a la Kurt. Kurt, <laughs> after <laughs> Kurt, after dinner, light both ends of the Duraflame log and the evening will be set. Thanks, Kurt. I want this dinner to be perfect. Tomorrow is going to be really special. Wait, are you saying what I think you're saying? Okay, I don't want to know. Kurt, I don't really know how to ask you this, but what was it like when you and Blaine first did it? Oh, my God. Said, actually, <laughs> I, I totally forgot no this was in there. Actually, I have no idea. We've never done it. It just hasn't happened yet. And and go to the Roxy music scene. Right. And so we'll, we'll get to the second half. In fact, a flashback. Yep. Um, well, the, the one thing, though, is, like, first of all, it sets up um, Finn doing, making uh, Rachel's steak for dinner. They actually changed yes, the line. Which basically was a Kurt set. Okay, can we just point out, Kurt's still mad at Rachel because of the <sighs> president. This was Kurt's habitat. Because she's vegan and he made her meat. But Kurt's the one who put together the menu. Yep. Uh-huh. He did it on purpose. That's actually quite clever. They changed the line. So this must be a middle draft or something because um, in, the, in the actual... Um, in the script, it says, she says, I've never had steak that tasted really like real meat before or fake steak or whatever. And they changed it to what the line is in the in the episode. So this part was cut before they started filming or in the middle of the film. I don't know. I don't know how it worked, but uh, well, I mean, um, they left the line in there. It's just like, I've never had meat substitute if it tasted so much like meat. And Finn's like, oh, right. Yeah, because you're vegan and you don't eat meat. <laughs> Well, to be fair to Finn, Rachel doesn't remember she's vegan half the time, so <laughs> she she forgets about that as often as she forgets that she's Jewish. Yeah. Uh, I also like the Dura Flame log. <laughs> you to be sad. I gotta tell you, if it, it wasn't, it's I I okay. So this has got some. <laughs> it's named name checked so much in the script. I almost think that they were hoping to get a Dura Flame like you know, sponsorship. And oh then when God. it didn't come through, they cut it out. Yeah. But yeah. And so we get the Kurt Blaine scene, um, which is more or less the same as it was in the episode, even though it was a flashback in the script. And also I want to note that the whole, um, the end of it was supposed to last about a beat longer. Cause it says he kisses him yeah. and leaps back to the iPod and pushing mm -hmm. on Kurt. And um, they don't do that. They cut, like, right after they kiss. Yeah, in fact, they and cut it's and not much of a up. kiss. It's very much of a peck, but we were all still shocked to see it. Yeah. Well, it's not so much of a peck, but it was more of a kind of thing, you know? It was, it was, yeah. it lasted longer than a peck, but it was definitely more of a It was like a smooch. Yeah, a smooch. yeah there you go. More of a smooch than a peck. It's a smooch. Coming okay. out of that, and I think, like, we'll read this a little bit, and then I'll, we'll see that the, I think the flashback takes on a little bit different meaning in the middle of this yeah. scene. So we get the rest mm -hmm. of the um, rest of the Finn Kurt scene. Right. Okay. So he kisses him, leaps back to the iPod, push in on Kurt, back to. So you've never. Nope. Sorry to disappoint. No, that's totally cool. I hope that someday when you're ready, you get to go all the way or whatever you call it. The it you're referring to still sort of weirds me out and is something I intend to reserve for birthdays and high holidays. Oh my I don't God. Know why you're off Finn's look. I don't know why you're nervous. Santana made sure everyone knows you've had sex before. I know, but this time it's going to actually mean something. 
Kurt smiles and heads to the door. Finn continued, thanks, Kurt, for talking about this. I'm really glad I have a brother. Kurt, me too. Be careful, Finn. Aww. Okay, so first off, let's talk about the it in the room. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one of the questions that we do kind of look at is one of the things, is, is a question you gave us in the notes before the podcast, um, where most notably Kurt being uninterested in sex in the script versus very interested in the episode. Um, yeah, and I it's uh, it's really really interesting. That's like that's a big change. That's not that's not like tweaking a line or cutting some dialogue. That's completely changing a character arc. And I'm really curious why they felt they had to do that. And the thing is, one of the things I look at is when he's talking about the it you're referring to still sort of weirds me out. And I'm just like, okay, Verdon, let's face it, they're not about to. We can say it on the podcast, but not gonna say it on Fox. We can't exactly say anal penetration on Fox. But I think that's what the implication is. Yeah. Yeah, the going all the way kind of makes that clear. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. But I think also, I think maybe one of the reasons it went from being reluctant in the script to being more what, I, what I've done now, Dean Thirsty Kurt, and <laughs> in the episode is so that it wouldn't, because there was a lot of, this is bringing in the Tin Hatters and the Blaine Haters, but there was a lot of, of questions about Blaine pushing him into it or something mm -hmm. like that. And maybe the fact that he's more receptive and less reluctant in the episode made it overall more comfortable to everyone's just like, okay, this is what everyone wants. We just have to figure out when we're ready. Yeah. And I just wonder how much of that, maybe they got feedback between that and the scene in the car really felt like, Blaine was pushing him into something he didn't want to do, so they felt like maybe they had to go back to the drawing board a little bit. I wonder if this script, though, was more about trying to define... Because I've heard commentary on it um, at the time that they didn't really define what gay sex is. or right. and, and maybe this was them trying to define it a little bit, mm -hmm. but they just leave it ambiguous, which I, personally I think works better. I think... This, yeah. to me, it still comes off as, as Kurt trying to be, you know, that apprehensive towards, uh, you know, any, any kind of thing. And it, it just, I don't know. All I can think, keep thinking of though is, 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 and this is a completely separate show, but, just, um, and some people listening may not get it, but it gets me thinking about last week's episode of how to get away with murder. Oh, okay. Or it was last week's really four where is saying, you know, Connor, you're gonna pay for my, um, you're gonna pay for that duvet. It was a four hundred dollar duvet, and Asher is just like, oh, is it because of? And then he points to his butt. Like, that was okay. Oh, yeah, because that was okay. You're obsessed with gay sex, and just to just to give a just to give a viewpoint from a show that is way beyond glee audience and is on at like nine like 10 o'clock at night it's on at 10 o'clock at night on abc which is not afraid i mean they've shown connor and oliver in the shower yeah oh my god they showed they, showed, they implied rimming in the very first episode yeah so and they still can't say it yeah <laughs> we can apply it all you want but we can't actually label it Right, exactly. We can have Asher just like point at, just like lift his butt. We up all know what he means. Yeah, but because he he he's playing it up for comedy, you know. Yeah. Well, and I'm gonna save a little bit of the censorship stuff towards the end when we talk about the stuff that they cut at the end. Um, but I, here, do you guys have any um, observations about how 
the the Roxy music scene fits in as a flashback to this scene. I the thing is, it feels like making it a flashback does make it. It's weird because you know, first off, Finn's Finn's implications. Finn is assuming that Kurt and Blaine have already done it, and what this says about Finn, or what that says about stereotypical attitudes towards you know gay sex or anything like that. You know, we don't or know, even just. But, Male teenagers. Or yeah, yeah, just being like, you know, it's like Bert said in season two. Yeah, when we got exactly. two guys. It's like two guys that are just like, think we're just having fun and can want to do it whenever. You know, so it's not necessarily, it's not about, it's like, and it's like, I've always argued, it's not about being gay, it's about being guys. <laughs> so, and that conversation, you know, it's, I'm glad they kept the scene. I'm really glad they kept the Roxy music scene, but it does play differently as a flashback than it does as playing in real time. I wonder if Kurt might have come off more apprehensive in the Roxy music scene had it been stayed in. Whereas, because in the actual scene itself, he's so like testing the waters and seeing where Blaine is at because he's yeah. interested. He's interestedly watching Blaine dance. Whereas this mm-hmm. kind of makes it feel like he's, eh, I don't he's know if I'm biting his lip and chewing on his fingers. He's so interested. I know. I'm like, <laughs> he's just, it's like when he's just like, you know, with the masturbation line, it's just like, oh, can we open a window in here? It's, it's not like, it's he's like, I need to cool off because we are, uh, I'm, it's getting hot. And hot so. <laughs> Song for season four. So. <laughs> Wrong context though. Let's imagine Kurt singing Nelly right now, okay? Oh, oh my God. God. That was a fun imagination. Um, so moving on, we actually, something I want to point out, because um, the next uh, thing is um, the Dalton scene. And it Shy. says, at this point, which Dalton's insanely italicized, hot, young, leggy French teacher named Mademoiselle Claudette. <laughs> Claudette. <laughs> Good Lord. I assume that she's the same teacher from the Uptown Girl scene. That is what yes. I'm talking about. Yeah. Apparently okay. that's it's like, so she has a name just like that neck brace Cheerio had a name that we never actually heard. So oh, that, that's right. Well, she didn't even have any dialogue, but they have a whole like backstory about her. Exactly. She's got a name and a backstory and Blaine didn't have yeah. a last name for like five episodes. I know. It's like they even, they even put her, her wardrobe in the script, glasses, red pencil skirt. No, yeah, she's holding that French book to know that you know that she's Mademoiselle Claudette. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I just wanted to point that out. There's not really much difference in the scene. I just yeah. that was interesting to me. Um, there is one thing. Um, after Sebastian has been introduced, um, Blaine says, "Hi, your voice gave me chills. Are you a freshman?" Ah, interesting. Your yeah. voice gave me chills. It's like, ooh. This is the other thing. I think some of the things that were cut were things that made Blaine seem a lot more interested in Sebastian and made that that whole situation a lot more dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. And see, I'm wondering if the reason why they did that was because from the moment the word Sebastian was thrown out there, they were getting so much backlash. Yeah. And the thing is, yeah, poor Grant. Who was he? he, I don't remember that. Did he? I can't remember, but okay. Baby. I believe you. I believe you, too, yeah. I'm I'm sure he did get death threats. This is also the time, just to throw it out there, that poor little Grant tweeted his phone number. Did he really? And then we got, like, a... And we got a great fic out of it, by the way, so... That was my fic. Yes, we did. Oh, that's right. 
Yes. The only reason I ever joined fandom was that pic. Yeah. (laughs) Grant tweeted his phone number and and fandom went insane. And then I got an idea that wouldn't die. And the next thing you know. That's awesome. Um, And it still has the most hits on Scarves and Coffee, doesn't it? Ooh, wow. I haven't checked in a while, but it did, yes. At one point in time, it was like 100,000 more than everybody else. Was it? It was in, you had an insane number of reads on that one, yes. It's 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 pretty high, and the next highest one right underneath of it is something by Beautiful What's Your Hurry, but I don't remember which one of hers. Oh, man. Yeah. So I do like one of the other changes that they made in the scene. Um, a couple of scene, changes that they made. Um, first off, that it originally was going to be on a couch. Yep. I was just going to say that. Yep. I start thinking of things like casting couch and things like that. Instead, it's like, yeah, um, so let's put this really big fucking oak table in between them. What makes it more intimate on a couch, though? I mean, it does. Yeah, like when they're just having coffee, it's less of that, you know, like when they're saying. It's, it's a little less threatening. Yeah. It's just coffee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you're on a sofa, it's a date. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When That's it's coffee awesome. at a table, you're just hanging out. But when it's coffee on a sofa, you're on a date. When it's coffee on a sofa in Dalton, you've got one person thinking, I totally made out with Kurt on this couch. And the other person thinking, thinking I wonder how many guys he made out with on this couch. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Well, and then at the end of the the scene, there's the close up of the the line says close up on Blaine, thinking what could it hurt in um, response to uh, getting his copy of Sebastian. Mm-hmm. Can I also say I'm really glad that they um, I'm glad that they took out the um, when they did the Santana and Rachel Boy like that. I have a love. I'm glad they took the I have a love part out. Oh, did they? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because at first it was supposed to be when he's, it's supposed to, it's all just a boy like that. But originally when Blaine's saying, oh, it wasn't like that. Let's just say that I miss Dalton every day, but McKinley's where my heart is now. And then Rachel starts singing, I have a love. Mm. And I'm like, that would have come off as cheesy. But it's Glee and they do cheesy really well. I know, but I kind of almost like the way that, and, and this is getting away from, you know, all the claim of it all, but I like it better when it's used to frame, you know, when Tina, when Rachel has her big, we'll talk about this later, but when Rachel has the big conversation oh, yeah. about, yes. should I sleep with him or shouldn't I? And, and Tina, Tina has her big speech about, about her and Mike her and how it was self. for them. Yeah, that actually, I think, I think you're right, though. I agree with you. It does work better there. Mm-hmm. That is true. Oh, yeah, yeah that does. Yeah, no, that does work better there, yeah. Because with, with yeah, but with Santana, it emphasizes that whole boy like that. Keeping it with that part of the song emphasizes like the danger element. Mm-hmm. That's true, and I will tell you that I do love the way that scene between him and Sebastian is shot. So I really, mm-hmm. aside from the fact that I love that they change it from a couch to a table because it it takes it, it dials back the threatening flirtatious aspect of it but it also allowed them to do some really great camera work there and the swooping of the camera and the flashing out to rachel and santana and i just i love that whole scene and it does kind of give me a little bit of of goosebumps you know just the scenes together worked really well they did a good job with those well and doesn't it like just that ending of the scene makes blaine feel a little bit more 
I don't know. I don't want to say flippant, but like in the, the scene, he's so kind of conflicted about it. Like he's vaguely interested in the Sebastian guy, but like he makes, he's definitely uncomfortable where I don't know if the script portrays that as much. Yeah. And, and that's see, and that's really interesting too, because I wonder how much of that was, you know, Darren's like, well, Blaine would be uncomfortable, or is it the director who thinks that, mm-hmm. or did they rewrite that somewhere? Or yeah, yeah. if you look in the script, it actually says at the end of that close up on Blaine thinking, what could it hurt? Sure. And that's not yeah. the look on the face that Darren gave at all. No, yeah. that, there was so much conflict in his expression, like he didn't that's know what a, to do. That's a f- being flustered. That's he was, ex- yes, he was extremely flustered. Yes. Yeah. And I think this comes back to the whole feel of the script versus the episode. Yeah. Because one of the things we talked about with the script is that the script is uninterested in sex versus very interested in the episode. The script with that scene with Sebastian almost implies like, seriously, this starts flashing back into like some season four breakup crap. So, so it almost makes it feel like that season. It almost makes it feel like season four is the breakup. In a way, that whole kind of if if Kurt is uninterested, then Blaine's you know. going to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually really glad that they, <laughs> the very least, I'm glad they put that off for a season. Well, and then so. here we get into the scene at the lockers, and there's one script description in here that changes the entirety of this scene. And I'm so 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 glad they did not do this. But after they they're talking a little bit, and Kurt reads his little like list, and Blaine says, "No, it's hot. No, it's not. It's hot." Blaine gives him a sly smile. Kurt is clearly uncomfortable. I'm so glad they cut out because God, man, is he, like, yeah, because in that scene, he is so not uncomfortable. Yeah, he's not in the final product. No way. He's rubbing his hands and thinking. When he's, I mean, like, you, you get this really gorgeous playoff of them where Kurt's reading his, you know, little wish list and bucket and, list, or bucket list and, Pl- and Blaine yeah. is, like, watching him with, like, this, like, oh, God, I'm totally turned on. And Kurt just played, like, okay, well, you're turning, you're be- you being turned on turns me on. And yeah. it's really gorgeous and it leads to what is a natural conclusion at the end of the episode. But here, like, saying that he's clearly uncomfortable goes back to that thin Kurt thing. Where it, mm-hmm. or, where it looks like it seems like he is uncomfortable with this whole idea of sex and doesn't like where this is going, so yeah. It also almost frames Blaine's. It almost um, fr- starts trying to frame Blaine's need to have not need to have sex, but his desire to have sex in the same aspect as Rachel's, which is all about I need to be able to play the best Maria. And I'm just like, that's, this is one case where I really don't think that you can parallel Blaine and Rachel. And, and they try to, I mean, it's obviously at the beginning, it's set they up toned it down a lot, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, Rachel doesn't come off so well <laughs> in this episode. No. So. Yeah. And it got weird. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that they kind of moved away from the whole kind of, cause it almost make the script almost makes it look like Blaine's trying to do it for the same reasons that, um, Rachel is doing that, and I feel like, and, and that might have been their original intent because that's how the episode starts. Yeah, and then maybe, and when they were in the midst of all the rewriting, everything they realized that's not really quite what needs to happen here. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just all of the performances by 
Chris and Darren and the, how they play and interact with Sebastian and how they play and interact with each other. Just, it's a different storyline than what I've seen in the script. So. Okay. So let's see. Um, yeah. The next, if the only, if there was the, um, oh, um, there really weren't any changes in the whole coffee shop scene. Yeah. That's what I'm oh, looking that at. That scene was really good though. That was a really, really good scene. And there was really no need to change it at all. Um, and then of course, right after that, I just had this one, si- this, the scene right after that, that was cut is I have an all caps. OMG. Why this will. No. <laughs> yeah. We should talk is about this, this the one bit? where Will and Finn talk about virginity and sex and whatever else that yes, was no. in the promo for the episode, but never time. actually aired. That's just picture, put in the gif of Kurt with Bert with his fingers in his ears going, la, 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 la. <laughs> It, it's really weird because, okay, so looking at it, it's basically Finn just being like, um, first th- Finn thinking him, it's more of the Finn's OSU recruiter storyline, but also like, by the way, I'm going to hook up with Rachel. And Will's like, oh yeah, good, you know, sure go for it, kid. She's the one pushing it. She'll remember it forever. You only get one chance to do it right. Be a gentleman. And then apparently there's a whip to Will behind Emma holding her. What if I want to wait? And, and it gets into fold because Emma's still a virgin at this point. And oh, it's so messy. That's and gross. a whole other storyline. Cool. Yeah. If they had to wow. add it into the script, I'm glad it didn't air. Yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, you've got so much, so much here that, it, I mean, you've got this really uncomfortable teacher student where the student is talking about having sex with another student and the teacher is like, I mean, I'm glad that he's saying be safe and treat her well and everything. That's great. But it just feels uncomfortable. I don't know. Like... Also, well, you also think thing of you're like a dad to me, and you're good practice for when I'm gonna be a dad. Is, yeah, isn't that the same scene? Yeah, yeah, that also, was earlier in the scene. Yeah, ah, yeah. And yep. also, I was gonna say that he also ran back to um, he he season one. Will was who he ran to when he found out that Quinn was pregnant. Oh, that's true. It's, uh, I mean, it is, but that's different because he wasn't talking about having sex with Quinn. He was talking about my life is over. I need an adult to help me. Yeah. And and I feel like this is just a completely different kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't well, like he and, went to Shu and said, hey, I'm thinking about having sex with her. <laughs> and, and I mean, the, the end of that scene, um, Finn hugs Will again. They're very emotional. Will's eyes water. And then Will says to himself, everybody's growing up on me. I mean, what? Well, that's, well, I think that, re- remember, because, um, remember when he's pushing for the wedding afterwards, I think, was it season four when he was doing, no, no it was before. but, um, this was also the season where Will was having a really hard time letting go. Yeah. There's that. There's also the fact that, you know, they had this whole thing in season two about him and his relationship with Emma and how he was having a hard time with her being a virgin or going slow or whatnot. And now he's perfectly fine with it. But I don't know. I just never get, I mean, just maybe it's just the way Will is always presented, but I, I don't know, but it gets into some of, um, I guess we can talk about more of this more when we talk about the girl scene, because I do want to touch upon that, but like, Glee and its weird obsession with virginity. Um, Because later Mm -hmm. on, they're going to have Finn talk to Santana and and I kissed a girl. And it's like, you were my first and I have to protect you. And um, No, you don't. I mean, it's nice that you want to, but no, you don't. She very clearly made it obvious that you do not owe her anything. Yeah. So... (laughs) 
it's interesting. I wrote this in my notes, and I guess I'll just put it here real quick. It's how Glee's views on sex change throughout the years, because in season one, they have this very, you know, they, they Emma makes a, a blowjob joke, and, and uh, they have a yeah, yeah, line yeah. that I will never forget. Well, because season one, at least the first 13 episodes, I would think season one, we weren't really dealing with a show for teenagers as the network tried to push it in later seasons. We were dealing with a show that was from the creators of popular NipTuck. <laughs> yep. Boy, NipTuck. We were, dealing, we were dealing with the people who we were te- we were dealing with the show that made a Susan Smith joke about killing your kids. Mm, yeah. So yeah. we get all of this. Like I believe in the second episode of the show, they have all of the you know pro teen ed- sex education, which is good and everything like that. So it, it made it a little bit more adult, a little bit more uh, real. I don't know. But then season three, by the time we get here. Sex is all, and I don't think it's necessarily a wrong thing, I just think it's different how it's very much, you know, losing your virginity is this big thing, and, you know, true love, and, you know, it, it doesn't, it's a little bit more idealistic than what reality is often. Well, and if you reflect true. back to when to Rachel be- joined up, uh, uh, JBI was part of the celibacy club, and they were dancing uh-huh. with the balloons in there. Balloons. And like, you guys are idiots, because... <laughs> The girls want it just as much as you do. And Rachel was the one at the time that was so kind of just deal with it, people. We all want to have sex. And then when you get through season two and season three into this part, she's the one that's like, oh, maybe when I get my Tony, you know, she did a total 180 on that herself. At the same time, I think that she sees it. First off, I think she sees it maybe as a distraction to her career. Um, so if any, so if she sees anything as a distraction to her career, then she, you know, I mean, yeah. that's where you get a lot of conflict with her season three because she, she just doesn't know. The other is that, um, keep in mind, this was probably the first time we'd ever given a gay couple the virginity storyline. Mm-hmm. So I that's mean, true. And I'm trying was, it was kind of a, it was kind of a basic high school trope. I mean, look, I was watching Beverly Hills 90210 and Donna finally did it. Yeah. Um, and that took a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a big deal to give that storyline to a gay couple. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and it's interesting to me also just coming out of season three, by the time we get to season five, you get them all openly talking about their sex life and, you know, stuff like we should start an all-male abs- or was it an, an abstinence club and all like that's the worst like- idea or are you high <laughs> and uh, yeah well by this time they're not teenagers they're young adults living i mean well they're still technically teenagers like 18 19 or 20 but i mean they are young adults living in new york city by that time well that's yeah. the, the thing that i really i'm not that like i do like love stories and i do think there's relevance in talking about you know like a lot of what the Tina says and the girl scene and whatnot. I just think it's interesting. Like, I wonder if because they are dealing with teenagers that they were, and especially now that it's season three, if they were put certain restrictions on what they can and can't do. Yeah. And it's possible because in the past, it's one thing to make a sex joke. And then it's another thing to advocate for teenagers having sex. Mm -hmm. And, You know, it's such that you're walking a, a line, and in this case, you know, one wrong sentence, and you're advocating for teenagers having sex, and it's not, not that Glee doesn't or didn't like to push buttons or whatever, but I mean, 
you know, and when we talk more about the censorship stuff, we can, you know, we can talk about how, which buttons they were and we're not allowed to push. Well, you know what I yeah, was- Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it occurred to me that it's something I should have mentioned at the beginning. This episode had a disclaimer at the front of it when it first aired. It did. Oh, yeah. And everybody was kind of scratching their head like, why? It didn't show anything. They didn't. Mm-hmm. Because two boys were talking about... Or implying I that say, they might. Lying to you. I don't think anybody ever sex. says sex. Oh my gosh. Oh, oh, the humanity. And it wasn't in the 10 o'clock hour. <gasps> because they don't have a freaking 10 o'clock hour on Fox. <laughs> no, it's the news. That's the news, exactly. <laughs> but, but also keep in mind, season one, what happened to the people that had sex? They got pregnant Mm -hmm. and they got kicked out of their house. Oh, that's true. And then it turned out that one of them that, and you know, and even then it was under the influence of wine coolers and it happened to, and quite frankly, it happened to the bitch that was in the celibacy club. It was a total hypocrite. That is a good point. At the time, at at the time, I mean, Ben, I mean, Quinn eventually became kind of, you know, a heroine in her own right. But at the time she was the bad girl. Yep. She was the villain. She was the villain. Yeah. So it was that, hey, you got sex, and now you got what you deserve. Sex is punishment, just as Fox Network intended. (laughs) (laughs) So kind of scrolling along, um, I want to point out, um, just in the Finn and Rachel scene, because we were talking about funny funny, uh, uh, line descriptions, or um, this one Mm -hmm. says... uh, at the end of it, uh, Finn exits after he's mad at her, and it says, leaving her alone with the blue flames of regret. <laughs> the blue Dura flames of regret. Who wrote this episode? Alright, so we I get this. Somebody <laughs> writes ad copy for Dura Flame, apparently. <laughs> uh, I, I love it. It's Because it does say, actually, Finn lights the generic Dura Flame. And then it's one of those color logs, so don't Which freak out. Which is code for Duraflame is what I'm going for, but you, if you can't get Duraflame or the rights to Duraflame, this is what I mean, get a generic version of it. <laughs> Why is this a sticking point for them? I don't know. <laughs> but you're talking about, like, scene descriptions and line descriptions. Like, when they go into, like, because the next one is the scandal scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when Blaine says, not very scandalous, and then the scene direction, I'll say, it's a very ordinary time. It's not Blaine <laughs> saying, I'll say. It's not Kurt saying, I'll say. It's the script writer going, I'll say. <laughs> I'm really sad that in the script descriptions, though, it's not, it doesn't have the bouncer being really sad and pathetic. <laughs> That was all that guy's acting. That was great. They must have found somebody, and that's the that had to have happened on site when they decided that's how they wanted to play. I know. Because I assumed that that, them suspiciously at all. Yeah. No, he looked at them and it was like, well, I forget what he said. Something Uh, drag. It's drag queen Wednesday. Enjoy. And then like, there you go. It's the same line. It just is said not suspiciously at all. Very. Very sadly. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, it's like, what is my life? Yeah, it's like, what am I doing <laughs> with my life? <laughs> Basically. Oh, man. Um, there is something I, that, that in the scene. Wait, that, oh, really, guys, we were stuck in Ohio but that didn't escape. Right. Know? Pretty much. They work at the one, they work or go to the one gay bar in Lima. Yeah. Which is the bad part of it. Like in Lima itself. 
Do what? It's in West Lima. West Lima. West Lima. It's in West Lima. West Lima. So I wonder if it's Lima Heights adjacent. <laughs> it's north of it. What are these days? Someone should make like a concept map of the city of Lima and Lima, um, in Lima suburbs, and Westerville while we're at it. Westerville, which is like right outside of so it. Are we using real Ohio geography or are we using uh, gliography? Gliography, because yeah. New York is in the next state over. <laughs> <laughs> Forget Pennsylvania. Take subway right from Lima to New York City and Manhattan. Come on. <laughs> but apparently, this is still a four hour drive to Kentucky, I guess. Depending it on is. Where, yeah, well, depending on where Sam was living at the time, so. Because remember, they had to drive. To, they drive drove four hours to Kentucky to try to get Sam to come back. So you know that it is. It's a little. It's a, a legitimate four-hour drive from Lima to across the Kentucky border. So it's like make up your effing mind. I know. Someone write a map. You're not. Um, okay, so one thing that may, I don't know why they changed this because the scene makes a little bit more sense with this in it. But um, Sebastian hands Blaine a seven and seven to drink instead of a beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, what, maybe they couldn't get okay. that past the sensors. I don't I'm, know. Okay. Can I'm I not a drinker, so I don't know what that is. It's a seven, it's a Seagram 7, which is, I'm trying to remember. Okay, let's put it this way. When I was a sophomore in high school, if you wanted to get a girl drunk, you gave her a 7 and 7. Oh, my. It's a lot of alcohol. <laughs> it is. Seagram 7 crown and 7-up seven seven when up. I Google it. Six ounces hmm. of seven okay. up and a shot of Seagram's seven crown whiskey. Huh. Okay. Oh, See, now that would get plain drunk. Seven. There was a, the, 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 the ratios were a lot that different. A little, little heavier on the uh, Seagram's and a little less on the seven up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I can imagine, I mean, like, cause I don't know if he had a long Island too, or something that just one of those could definitely put him over, but having a beer making him drunk. But I don't know. I wonder yeah. if that, again, is one of the things that the censors or whatever thing that they have to submit the scripts to. They wanted to. to tone down the actual drinking so they give them a beer. Actually, did you notice? I didn't know. It's like, because, wait a second. Is Sebastian drinking a beer or is Sebastian drinking a mixed drink? Um, I don't remember. Let me go back up. Sebastian is Shirley Temple. Sebastian yeah. is, I don't know what he is. He's not, a designated he driver. Like, I thought he had a beer. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he had a beer too. I don't think Sebastian, and it does, the script doesn't say. Not get a Shirley Temple. Sebastian got him a Shirley Temple, and that's that was very yes. strange. And there was, and, 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 there and was, with that with that negative comment, like here you're the designated driver, like always. Yeah, that's, and that was it, it was meant as a slight. It's also yes, it like was. I hear that, so I'm like, okay, so we are, I mean, we may already be establishing how much Blaine and Sebastian are talking on the phone even before the Michael episode. Yeah. Unless he's just being an asshole. So Well, it's Sebastian, so he could just be being an asshole. Yeah, could just be Sebastian being a dick. This script though makes dance with somebody make a little bit more sense though. I mean, like I wonder how much because there's a little bit throughout a couple of other episodes too that Blaine and Sebastian were supposed to be more I don't want to say into each other, but like communicative than mm-hmm. I think they were on screen. Yeah. So that part of dance with somebody else. We're supposed to think they were more in touch with each other than they actually ended up being showed being in touch with each other. Yeah, the whole what's yeah. a warbler always a warbler thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And uh, of course, then we have the scene with, um, after the drinks, we have uh, the, before the dance scene, we have the scene with Karofsky. Which isn't different. Um, it's pretty much the it's same. It's not. But I just Here's still tapes. point out, because you look like Yogi, and I'm like, oh god, that's gonna come back to haunt us. Well, it's in the episode, too, so I do, yeah. Well, then they became Yogi and Boo Boo in season six. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Don't sorry, remind sorry, me. Sorry to bring it up. I think I had repressed that until just now. <laughs> well, I mean, you do see, like, Boo Boo's like a little bitty bear with a little bow tie. <laughs> oh, my God. Yogi and Boo Boo, exactly. Hey! Um, is it time for obligatory porn comment? Oh, almost. I want to. There's something I want to mention. Um, in the description before the Karofsky scene, it says um, uh, POV the other side of the bar, watching Blaine and Sebastian on the dance floor, a little drunk, working on some Warblers dance combo. Then to Kurt looking bored and out of place at the bar, and I'm like, if there's one thing Kurt was not looking like, was it was not boredom. He was not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've never seen anyone try to kill someone with their eyes bored. before. It was like I think they meant. I don't think they meant bored, as in ah, I'm tired. I want to go home. It was bored, as in boring holes into the back of Sebastian's <laughs> skull yeah, with your lasers. Classic <laughs> bitch glare that gets mentioned in every single thing, right there. Oh man! But it's such a good glare. It is. <laughs> Yeah, so I just wanted to point that it's another one of those like I, I love the scene because it's Kurt like he after the Krofsky thing he's like you know what fuck it I'm gonna go over there and I'm gonna get my man back yeah. and in the script it's not and that is like one of the hottest things ever song, when he struts across the floor yep and then the script with the song that gets cut out strut across the floor and take him out of, of yeah. the no they busted into the song they bust into yeah. a, oh god no. And here's the thing with that. Let me just point something out. It's like with with in the script version, not only does they, do they not bust into that song, he just he never busts into the dance at yeah. all. He's yeah. still mm. there at the at the jukebox, so he never busts in. Where this is works so much better. And of course, Thelma Houston's "Don't Leave Me This Way" is just a much better song to kick off on. Absolutely. Well, it then, is. So the two songs that they cut, um, "You Spin Me Around," which the Warblers did in season six later on, and "Do You Really Want to Hurt Me," and um, it's like you and, got Kurt singing yeah. this melancholy song about just like pleading that his boyfriend doesn't cheat on him or whatever and well yeah. Blaine sings the you spin me around part because he's dizzy by you know do I like Sebastian do I like Kurt? you know and it gives this really really actually no 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 according to the Kurt to oh does he sing that Kurt starts off oh starts, sorry it's we okay so this is where it gets confusing and where I'm kind of glad we just cut it because it seems like something they tried to make work and didn't okay Says Kurt walks over to the jukebox and drops in the quarter. He turns as a mashup of You Spin Me Round and Do You Really Want to Hurt Me begins to play. The bar is now just a little bit more glamorous, like an 80s music video. He starts to sing and says, yeah, I, I got to know your name. And it's You Spin Me Round. Um, by the way, quick mention, rest in peace, Pete Burns, lead singer of Dead or Alive. One of the more current victims of, 20, of the 2016 celebrity die. Um Cardiac arrest, died October 23rd, age 57, uh, was on Celebrity Big Brother, um, was a probably really bad victim of plastic surgery from some of the things I'd seen. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but thought that was worth noting. So, so rest in peace, Pete. Yes. Moment for Pete. Yeah. Pour one out. Yeah. 
So, and then we have the scene. He looks out to Blaine, who doesn't seem to notice. See, and he yep. out the dance floor. The drag queen is back at dance. No, I will say, I kind of wish. I would have paid to see that. <laughs> I, I, the rest of the scene can go, but man, Kurt with backup dancer drag queens, that would have been amazing. Yeah, and after he sings this, you spend have right a now. though. Yeah, we kind of did. Actually, we did. We ended up getting that with Let's Have a Kiki. Yeah. Oh, we did. Oh, how did I forget that? They were really his backup dancers. They were all just dancing together. So I don't know. But he pulls Blaine away from Sebastian. The song mashes into Do You Really Want to Hurt Me? And that's when he sings the lines like right to him. Which it's sad. I mean, like this whole episode is not supposed to be sad. It's about them trying to like connect to each other and, and understand and grow that they want to have this connection with each other. And this just makes it sound like ah, it's just a mess. <laughs> I know. And this, See, this is, you, like, if you, you read really this at face me. value, it, it will, so with the fact that there's all this overemphasis almost that Kurt's reluctant to have sex. And then yeah. they're in this bar scene and he's terrified that Blaine's going to leave him for Sebastian or cheat on him or whatever, that they're singing this song where he's like point blank asking Blaine if he's going to hurt him. And then like, okay. I just feel like Stage it really direction. leads up to the, yeah, the, at the end. Yeah. Stage direction again, they start to dance together, but it just, but it feels anonymous and tipsy like two random dudes who just met. The song is filled with hurt and longing. And then Kurt singing, I want your love. You know, it's like, oh God, I'm going to sing on the podcast. Me. I want your love. That part. <laughs> he's staring into Blaine's eyes, but he's never felt so far apart. They sing over one another. See, and, and this I'm like, goes too God, far away. I cannot. It's depressing. I really cannot connect this to the end of the scene, of the end of the episode where Kurt, other than doing what Rachel does and says, Oh, I'm sorry you lost, Finn. Let me give you my virginity as a makeup thing. You may not have gotten into OSU, but (laughs) you didn't get into OSU, but nobody else will ever get to have first time sex with me. Oh my God. So that's what it, you know, it's like a, well, so... And then that's when Blaine comes in. They basically try to parallel Blaine and Rachel, but also Rachel and Kurt. Yeah. Which doesn't work. I'm glad that Yep. And then you're right. It goes into the, you know, this is all in his head. And he's still looking at the jukebox. And the drag queen is like, hurried up. And (laughs) (laughs) by this point, and then next, it cuts right to exterior parking lot night. Kurt propping up drunk Blaine as they walk to the car. And at this point, I think they thought they wanted Kurt to play it off a little more pissed off at him. Yeah. And they don't, he's, he's not really, and not until they actually get into the car is he pissed off. He's just like, okay, let's just go home. And yeah. You know, and that's, yeah. That seven and seven makes more sense for Blaine being trashed. Whereas the one beer is, oh boy. I know. And I would I think say we were that supposed to get the. Uh, I, I think we were supposed to get the idea that maybe Blaine had more than one. Mm-hmm. Supposed to. Well, but no. In, but, this, in the actual episode, he says, um, "I, I only I had, had one drink." So. Yeah, but see, I feel like see, I always felt like because of, I felt like that was supposed to be like drunk, like I only had one when you had like five. Or you only had, had one with like one of those. I only had one. Yeah. Or like one of those, I only had one, but it was like one of those giant bowl things that's in a fish bowl that has seven straws. 
the one that four people are supposed to share or something. <laughs> no. uh, also, or if we want to get even more sinister about it, maybe Sebastian slip something in there. Mm. I've oh heard God. a lot of people say that. Mm-mm. I thought that actually at the time when I was watching the episode because Blade Ooh. did, I mean, he was so wasted and you only did see him ever take one drink. Yeah. Um, and just really, Sebastian did hand it to him. I do want to quickly run back, just really quickly back. Do you really want to hurt me? Um, if we could have gotten that as a solo from Kurt, when would you have liked to have seen that in the series? After the breakup. Like at the second one, the season mm-hmm. in season four. The season four, only yeah. because I feel like we, that would have given us so much more insight into what he was feeling at that time. Because mm-hmm. that's one of my biggest complaints about that period of time is it's it's not that they didn't show him; it's that that we never got a, a better understanding of what he was feeling, other than he was taking Ambien every night. Yeah. I mean, I would have liked yeah. to have seen, it's like, I understand why they did season, um, not season five, episode, um, oh, the first Grease episode, because there were two Grease mm-hmm. episodes, the first yeah. one. Yeah, Royal and Born to Play, was the one after yeah, the breakup. That, mm-hmm. that was the first one they didn't have in New York at all, and I would have liked to, I think it would have fit in there. It would, yeah. it would have been in with the whole return to sender with the Gilmore Girls right. thing. It would have made more sense <laughs> than here. Where Oh, gosh. Can we just interject and think about for a minute what the, the Hummel Anderson household is going to be like this coming weekend with the Gilmore Girls revival? Since they like the Gilmore Girls so much? Probably awkward. <laughs> uh, what did you ever do to that box? Do with that box of the Gilmore Girls that I sent back to you. Um, right. <laughs> Um, so it would have fit really well there but i also i also could have seen it during season during the final season just because we didn't get any freaking solos out of either one of them in season six and, we were going to, which nice and considering that then. blaine sings every solo in a medley of pink songs mm-hmm. i cannot believe that we did not get a solo from him in season six i know oh and also, but i seen it in season instead well no no love is a battlefield okay i'm just gonna say it. i just don't like the song love is a battlefield Me neither. I'm, just, I, I'm just not a fan of the whole spoken word thing at the beginning of it um but i would have liked to have seen do you really want to hurt me during kind of the toll tested oh um, that would have worked that would have been a good alternative yeah that would worked um so going to this car scene the the actual scene itself in script is not that much different really um but Everything. i think okay. I wanted to ask, though, cause, because we're going to talk about the car scene, do we want to talk about the behind-the-scenes stuff and the fan filming here, or do we want to save that until the end? No, it, was it about, did the fans film the scene? This is the did scene that the fans were watching them film. Live tweeting it the whole time. Oh, yeah, let's talk about it now. Yeah, let's talk about it now. I remember that night. Oh, God, that was, okay. It was a Friday night, and some random girl... Uh, somehow figured out where they were filming at and her and I think it was her brother went and watched them film and they weren't allowed to take any pictures because apparently they were all up in arms about outfit spoilers oh really <laughs> yeah Darren told her they couldn't take pictures because then they'd see what they were wearing okay I don't know maybe he just I, was, I, I, I remember I going, going or not wearing or not wearing <laughs> But basically, um, they filmed this scene, uh, well, 
They were there from like nine o'clock California time until like three or four a.m. Three or four a.m. Really? It was late. It took them that so, long to film this. Well, they had it was dark when they. three hours. But they uh-huh. did the whole, all the scandal stuff was filmed at that same bar. Oh, it that was. makes more sense. Yeah. So they, they, they filmed some exterior stuff, and then they went in and filmed all the interior stuff, which they couldn't see because they wouldn't let them inside. Right. And so they had no idea what happened inside. And then they uh, watched them do the scene where they come out and get in the car a bunch of times. And I thought she was going to, like, palpitate herself to death and die on the spot. Because <laughs> she's like, they're kissing! <laughs> <laughs> and she couldn't figure out um, what what it was they were shouting at each other because they weren't close enough to make out what they were saying, just that Kurt was shouting at him. And then apparently every time that they would do that, and then they'd call cut, and then they'd bust out laughing. Oh, jeez. <laughs> there's, um, there's a summary of it. I can put it up on the IM part. I haven't so read it in it. so long. I wasn't even sure if you could still find it because I think... Mm-hmm. I thought she deactivated because so many people reblogged that post and sent her messages, and it was literally the one of the most insane twenty four hours since the skating riot in season four. There's um or oh gosh, um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's just as a heads up, it's a Chris Colfer blog that still has the whole thing on. Um, no, I was going to say, I, I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but I'm going to mention that the other, there was the breakup scene when we, they actually watched the breakup stuff that was, I, oh God, I remember that night. And then the love, love, love riot, which was much better. Yeah. Well, with the love, love, love riot, nobody knew what was happening inside the Dalton filming. They just knew the outside exactly. stuff. And. But there was also the got, you get to, got to get you into my life riot. Oh yeah. That was a good riot too. That was a really, really good one. But no, I remember the thing that broke my heart was during the breakup riot, you know, when they shot that was we didn't realize until after the fact. No. Or did we realize it during the fact was that what? Darren had ju- Darren had just flown in from. We knew. Harry we Potter. knew. Yeah, he had done Harry Potter senior year the day before. And it had been like a, it was like a six hour performance or something. Right. And, and then to he, go and shoot that breakup. And then he went he to said, the dance afterwards. He did the whole LeakyCon dance, and he got on a plane and just did the the hop. From he Chicago didn't even know he was he supposed sleep. to be filming the next night until sometime at the ass crack of dawn Sunday morning. They called yeah, him and said, like, "You need to get on a plane." And then he shot that scene, and he himself said that he that just emotionally exhausted him. Yeah, because and it was also I. Cause, I mean, because it was like, I, I don't know when he wrote the letter that said, okay, we're about to see a scene that's just kind of y'all. He wrote hate. that right before the episode aired. But I don't, yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. That's when he posted it. I don't know when he actually wrote it. He may have, I, I wouldn't blame him if he had written it right after because you guys figure it's like he's basically saying what may be goodbye to Clayne because you don't know if, you know, you don't know if we're going to get back together at the time. They might decide to go completely different directions or something. Yeah, they um, didn't, they didn't they know at the time. Yeah, and he and he had just said goodbye to he'd said goodbye to Harry Potter and it was like a huge part of his life and like man man I just I just felt for him. I just feel for the dude. <laughs> well, going back to this one, um yes. I, the the thing I want to ask, um I do remember a lot of people being upset about them not doing any kissing in the car, but I my question is if she was far away enough that she couldn't hear what they were saying, 
that maybe just them I being on top of each other. she was assuming they were kissing because the car windows were all fogged up. But I'm guessing that they, I don't think that they cut any kissing out of the scene. I, I'm yeah. not sure. If you look at it, though, Blaine is trying to kiss him, and Kurt's mm-hmm. kind of not really going for it, so that might be what she was seeing from what she could see yeah. from wherever she was. I mean, I'm looking at the stage directions. I'm looking, uh, okay, propping at trunk Blaine, reach the car, kiss me. You're riding in the back. If you lie down, you're less likely to throw up. He opens the back door, tries to get Blaine in. Blaine grabs him, pulls Kurt in the car on top of him. Blaine is getting Randy, his unseen hand exploring. And... <laughs> And they keep in the line, wow, cold hand. Oh, man. Come on, I want you. Stop it. Blaine keeps pulling him back down. I know you want to do it in a field of lilacs with Sting playing and all of that, but who cares where we are? It's about us, right? And then it it basically goes exactly like, it's exactly the scene. Yeah. Yeah. And and in my head, I'm going, well, geez, at least shut the door first. I know. But the thing is... (laughs) Yeah, but in nowhere in here, so there wasn't any kissing cut out. <clears throat> Not according to the script. It was the the girl that saw the filming said there was deep, deep kissing was her exact quote. Oh, really? Is there so, okay, because I haven't read it in so long. I know she mentioned she thought there was kissing, but like, it's been you so long. Want me to read it? I mean, I can read her and thing. read at it. Sure, um, go ahead. Okay, so um, go. I have to scroll back up the screen here a little bit, but it's. Um, somebody asked, I'm going to be extremely shallow and ask about the kissing lol. Can you talk a little more about it? Were they horizontal? Who was where? Anything you can remember? And she says, oh, I've been waiting for this question. So Kurt pushed Blaine in the backseat of the car because he was drunk. Blaine held on to Kurt and pulled him in the car with him so that Blaine was lying down like you would on a bed straight across and Kurt was on top of him. Of course, the filming crew were also in the car, so it was hard to see everything going on, but it was hot, like effing arousing. There was groping and touching and deep deep kissing. I want to know how the hell she was able to Yeah. I, I mean, that. with the filming, I don't, I don't know, know if I I'm believe that. Saying, that's what it, that. That was the posted quote from the girl that was watching. Unless they did and one take with that and decided was like, not oh to. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean, uh, I can see. It's just, first off, I mean, look, you've got the car there. You have the back seat. If he's pulling them down, and you have through there, and if you're looking at, look unless at you're staring event, in the window, the camera person, unless you're staring in the window, unless you're the camera person, right. there's no way they could have actually seen what was going on in that. Part. See, and that's what I meant. Like, if she couldn't hear them, she couldn't hear what they were arguing about, but she could see well enough in there. I, I just mm-hmm. don't. I'm sorry. I don't really buy it. The but I'm sorry. I'm gonna say this is a wishful thinking and b trying to get follows. Well, that too. <laughs> the other thing I was thinking too is if they had the screens that they were watching what the footage was from and she could see the screen with the footage. Oh. Mm-hmm. But she didn't say that. So I don't have a clue. Yeah. <laughs> Grain of salt. I mean, who knows? Yeah, exactly. I, I will say, and we'll talk about this when we get to the end. I do think they cut out kissing at the end. Oh, totally. And the reason why I know that is because Chris gave an interview who said he flat out said that they were kissing. Well, so did Lee and Michelle. Yeah. She's, but anyway, we'll get to that in a second. Well, yeah. Get, we'll, get something about them going for it or something. I remember. He but said Chris said they rolled around on the bed and kissed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, we'll we'll save that for for the end. Um, this. The other thing I wanted to ask you guys about, because I wasn't in fandom at the time, was all of the hoopla around the scene because of a lot of it stems from anti-Blaine stuff. 
but mm-hmm. the whole like Blaine was pushing him into sex and not stopping, and there was all of that that went on. There was a lot of the car scene was assault. Oh yeah, going on. Um, may and I also generally, add that you fell in one me. of two camps: either you thought it was, or you thought it wasn't. Mm-hmm. The ones who thought it was, I might add, a lot of them were Kurtowski fans. And that's not incorrect, I but I, 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 mean, I think no, that, that no. this is an episode, or at least that scene, definitely made some some people who may have been clean chippers before. Mm-hmm. may have made them maybe not as into it because they didn't like that scene. Yeah. It, yeah, it just, it, there was a lot of talk at that time. And it still is every time it gets brought up about relationships and consent. And I'm not saying that mm-hmm. that stuff's not, not important, obviously, but I don't know, yeah. just me personally, I don't know if that's really what happened there. I've seen it a million times, you know, well, doesn't part of it have to do with Kurt's reaction to, in that later on at the end, he thinks that when when Blaine got drunk and kissed Rachel was more offensive to him than what happened in that car. And that gets brought up a lot too. I, I it's it's one of those things where I it's not that I don't it's not that I can't see where they're coming from. I don't know that myself that I personally agree with that, but I understand why people mm-hmm. think that, and it's a scene that, quite frankly, I wish they hadn't done. Yeah. It's a scene. It didn't need to happen. No. And they could still have a fight about the bar without it being as pushy as it could have, it was, as it ended up being. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, um, moving on, I, I want to uh, actually talk about the, the next scene in the script is the girl scene where they talk about sex. And I want to point out a couple of things about this. For one, Mercedes yeah. is in it. And it makes me wonder, did they just give decide to give Amber the week off or whatever? Because she's not in the scene in, in the episode, and she's barely in the episode itself anyway. So I don't know <laughs> uh-huh. what's going on there. But um, I don't know if she huh. was doing something like outside of Glee at that time or not. I can't remember. Huh. Oh, God, I haven't watched the episode in so long. I forgot that Mercedes wasn't even in the scene. Yeah. Well, that's I okay. They, the think... Michael episode, I totally didn't even notice that Tina disappears halfway through. Yeah. But I think what they pointed, but I think, um, I think they actually establish in maybe, I wish, no, God, now I wish I'd watched the episode over again. But doesn't they, don't they basically establish that the reason Mercedes isn't there is because she hasn't had sex? I don't know. I mean, you know, so. Rachel me you know what? This is. People in Glee Club that have done it. Isn't this the episode or shortly thereafter where Mercedes has joined the Trouble Tones? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mercedes joined so the Trouble So she's not like even talking. They're not talking right now. They're yeah. in a fight. At the same time, it, there's none of that in here. I mean, it's just she, for whatever reason, it was because Amber was not around. So they cut this part of Mercedes because Mercedes is basically like, um, oh, what is her line over here? She's like, I, we, I'm waiting for mar- to get married or at least until college. Yeah. So she's kind of on the same side as Rachel. Um, yeah. So she was definitely a voice in, in this scene, and it feels more like they just cut her out. Actually, from what I recall, other than that, that would have been the only scene she was even in. She wasn't even in the episode. 
So maybe they just felt like, well, if we cut that line, then she doesn't even have to come in. She was um, in the audience during um, West Side Story. Mm-hmm. But other than that, yeah, she's not in, in, in it at all. Oh. Hmm. Was she I even in the audience, She was. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. It's like for a split second. It's kind of um, around when they, you know, panned to Will and Emma and um, Beast and Cooter. They could have shot, shot, like, literally, they could have shot it at any other time. Yeah, they could have. Like, they could have shot while they were shooting another episode and said, oh, you know what? We should have, like, a scene of Mercedes, you know, sitting in the audience looking really pissed off because she's not Maria. Right. But oh, the other thing that she, the, the Mercedes points out in here, because when Santana is like, I should, I think you should wait because Finn is terrible in bed. And Mercedes says, <laughs> Santana, that is not cool. Like, you get somebody sticking up, you yeah. know. For- poor Finn. Well, not really poor Finn, but poor Finn. <laughs> She's so mean to him. We also get a change in Brittany's line. I'm going to read it because it, it yes. oh, makes a God. huge difference. How, okay, let me just say, does this change make what she said better or worse? Or is what she said just oh, as bad? worse? Oh, Jesus. Okay. Oh, it makes it clear. It's like, okay, trigger warning for anybody who is now listening. It makes it clear it was rape. Well, like at least statutory rape. Yeah. I lost my virginity to one of the counselors at cheerleading camp. He was 19 and I was only 14. I thought it would make me feel all grown up, but it made me feel weird. Plus, it was a full moon, so if I had gotten pregnant, I would have given birth to Bigfoot. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, the space invasion line is not any better. No. Mm-hmm. And it's it's one of those where, you know, the thing is, it's that fence. It's like, Brittany is like, she says, she implies she wanted to because it would make her feel more grown up. I'm like, you can't give consent when you're 14. No. Yeah, that's my thing. I'm like, she's, they, they can't show a list loving couple like leading up to gay sex, but you can talk about a 19 year old doing statutory rape to a 14 year old. I, I just thought they, they did. They cut that. Oh, that's true. They, they did. They cut it out. They basically, she said, you know, he snuck into my tent, alien invasion. And it's played off like it's a joke, but to see, then that makes it sound like she was just randomly <laughs> raped by some dude. Mm-hmm. I think it's a lot of people would argue any better. <laughs> or either one. It's like, it's either one better or worse. And this could be one of those lines where the censors, because, and don't get me wrong. Censors were definitely involved in this. Oh God, that they were all been, over the place. That may have been, I mean, we'll go, we'll get into all the other places where the censors were involved, but I would guarantee a censor would look at that line and go, Uh uh-uh but I don't see how they could look at that rewrite and go that that's any better they would look at that and go okay that would be a whole nother episode just for Brittany that needs to be a very special plot line I don't know well they tried that in a later season with some of the new characters and it didn't go well yeah Yeah. alright well moving on from that because the rest of it that scene is pretty much the same and we get Tina's lovely um, conversation about yeah, and I'm I just in general, and I know and they added the song, and they added the other half of the I have a love, so which works out much better. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, so opening night. <laughs> okay, opening night. <laughs> it's like Emma's point of view: the packed auditorium, parents, teachers, students, warblers. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Is America literally shitting themselves? 
It was props because it was after Tina hits her head and it's like it, Finn and, and Puck are literally curtain play now and America shits itself. <laughs> That's okay. Just, and is it me? And Okay, y'all will talk about props way, way further down the line, but I just need to bring this up so somebody else can bring this up. Does anybody else think that Puck slash Mark Salling was trying to play Blaine off like William Shatner? <laughs> Not until just now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Like somebody doing like that. you know, Jim. Do you really think that? <laughs> no. Boldly go. I, I don't no know that I'd say William Shatner so much as Captain Kirk, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like Captain Kirk. Like you know, Blake, Rachel. We have to get to national. <laughs> Maybe it's just you know because remember those memes where it's always like, it's nice to meet you, Kirk. Or, or whatever it was, the long pause, or nice to meet you. Nice to Kurt. meet you. Or whatever it was, the long pause was. Like, dot, dot, uh, ellipsis, dot, 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 Kurt. It's nice to meet you, dot, 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 Kurt. And, and I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he read all of those. <laughs> so, so, back, so back to this. Um, the whole, Rachel, tar- darken your eyebrows. Blaine, tone down the blush. Bitch, I'll put on as much blush as I want to. <laughs> Can we talk? I don't really want to get into a lot of this, but there is their original idea for America was to mash it up with, and I'm not familiar with this. Oh my god! Um, okay, um, Howard, you've not seen West Side Story? No, 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 no. It's the Jai Ho oh. song that she's thinking of. Think. Oh, that's right. I forgot all about this. Okay, um, but yeah, I'm looking because the whole versus whole thing, which I think they just replaced with the Artie. We really appreciate you. So here's some flowers type of thing. Um, which I'm kind of glad that they just did it with that instead. Um, they they were originally going to have um, in, during the American America song bring in what is it J Ho? How do you say that? Jai Ho. Jai Ho. Pronounced Jai Ho. You are my destiny. Okay. And so there was this whole big thing about Artie deciding to make this artistic choice, and everybody was like, "You really shouldn't do this. It's really bad." And Artie's like, "I'm going to do it anyway." So they end up doing it, and it's ridiculous. Um, but then everybody says that, you know, it, everybody gets in on it. And then, like, it's this whole Shark versus Jets thing. And then Kurt even shows up as Officer Krupski. And it's just this big scene um, out of West Side Story with this added song mashed to it. And it's just way over the top and too much. And I'm glad that they cut it all down to the one scene. They didn't need to do it all, but. Because the thing is, it's like, okay, so if you go, if you look at the scene, if you look at the way it's mashed up in the script, um, they actually have like the original, I think the language is Hindi. Um, but um, the song unfolds, creating a musical melting pot and artistic metaphor for transcultural harmony. And when Curtis, Officer Krupke, enters into the mix, a cri du coeur against police violence. The more sharks join Jai Ho, the more of a song shifts back to America, ending with the girls lifted up on the boys' shoulders, Mike holding Santana, Puck holding Quinn, and Brittany Aloft, gangs mixed. And I'm like, that is not the... Yeah, it's like, that's how you would end the show if you wanted to completely rewrite the frickin' ending. I I hope that the the director looked at it and went, no, we're not even going to bother with this nonsense. (laughs) No, because I'm sitting there going, this is the whole write-up that is supposed to have the symbolism of transcultural harmony. I'm like, 
that's not what America, the song, is about. Mm-hmm. I think the, the, here's the thing, the direction that they actually ended up going into was having the Jets sing the part that normally the male sharks sing, uh, which is essentially, I mean, which is essentially kind of a racial thing talking about is, is basically the white guy saying, you Hispanics are only good for shining our shoes and doing our dishes. Exactly. That's what I was thinking of was was that they had done the the they had brought in the jets to sing in parts of that instead of having it just all be the sharks. And that even yeah. in and of itself is a pretty significant choice. Stage and they even they actually even said that in the episode it was it's a risky choice, but I think it worked out. It it was yeah. a very risky choice, and and. and in the script, when they're talking about it, they, they're yelling, Artie, you're messing with a classic. And he was all, well, a classic that messed with Shakespeare. But I, the way they did America worked. I just, it isn't something that you would see done out, outside of Glee most of the time. And also to clarify something, the way that they did it was the way they did America in West Side Story be- before the Jets come in with their part with that modification is in itself a modification because we're doing the film version when it's the sharks and the sharks girlfriends doing the scene in the original musical, mm-hmm. which is still what they have on Broadway and what they did. Like when Karen Olivo was, was playing Anita was it's all the girls. Yep. Because Rosa, because there is this one girl, Rosalita who is, you know, perfectly happy, you know, who misses Puerto Rico. She really wants to go back. And it's all the other girls saying, uh, no, Puerto Rico sucks. We're better off here. Right. And in the movie, it's the men that basically take the place of Rosalia. Now I had never seen the musical version, just the movie version. Mm -hmm. So I had no idea about that. Yeah. I've seen, um, I've never seen like the full Broadway version, but I, this is the way that they did it. Um, in my high school when we did West Side Story. And also mm-hmm. um, they did that version of America at the Tony Awards um, a few years ago when they had the revival. Mm. Which, which uh, bonus, that was the revival that where they had translated a lot of the original and, and book into Spanish. And Lin-Manuel Miranda actually helped with that. Cool. Mm. So another big ups for Lynn. So... You guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't there a thing, though, that with, unlike TV scripts that can change all the time, with play scripts that you have to, like, you're when you're doing it professionally, you have to stick to the script? I mean, you can cut things out, but you can't change it? Uh, maybe I'm we thinking did a lot of changing. With the, the theater company that I work with, we just did Christmas Story last December. And we changed lyrics, we changed lines. It, we we did a lot of that. It's it's really a lot of director's discretion. Mm-hmm. I wonder what I'm thinking. It might also yeah. depend on whether or not there's any kind of copyright in place or what kind of copyright is in place. Oh, well, that's right. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. We 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 rented the scripts from MTI, and you know we did we followed the usual theater way of doing things. But they did they, the director did a lot of changing. Mm-hmm. We're a fan. They 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 eliminated all of the swear words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did that well, in high school. Put out like high school high put out high school versions of certain scripts and. Yeah, our our community yeah. theater doesn't ever get the the kid version or the junior version. They always get the regular ones. But yeah, they do a lot of they do a lot of cutting, a lot of changing. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
that that particular show was the one that we did the most rearranging and adding of of words and um, basically the Broadway version of a Christmas story. Well, and this is away from the curtain blind thing completely, but the Broadway version of a Christmas story had um, a lot of changes from the original production recording that Pasek and Paul put out um, mm. when when it moved from off Broadway to Broadway. And our director made the choice to go back to the off Broadway version. Oh, okay. Um, it's possible to do. Yeah. It's a, How a much lot of that of has to do with stylistic? Yeah, yeah. Changes. Um, I think though the reason for them changing or anything around is for one for to give already this minimal subplot in this um, scene, but also to explain they weren't going to do a lot of this story um, on stage. Like they weren't going to show the production very much, so they wanted to get as everybody as they could on one stage at one point. So That's what I was, what I was thinking, because it's it's a way to mm-hmm. show Mike is the leader of the Jets and right. and, and all and the have other him characters. Look at his dad's empty seat. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So. All right. So we get into the end, and from what I can tell, until the ending, um, auditorium scene between Kurt and Blaine mm-hmm. is not very different. It's not really. Let's see. But only I think there was a difference. Give your hand, hold your heart. <laughs> song you screwed up, and he said, "I'm going over this move from one hand, one heart." He didn't say that in the episode. He didn't mention which song he screwed up. Uh, okay, there's no move in one hand, one heart. Whatever. Okay. Um, exactly. That's why it didn't make any sense to say from one hand, one heart, because one hand, one heart. He was at his knees holding Rachel's hand the whole time. Yeah, and then they said, let's see. Oh, here it is. Okay, but one difference is that when Kurt says, "No, I want to go to your house." And then the stage direction says, wow, Kurt's dead serious. Ready. Blaine's blown away. Blaine takes Kurt's hand and they walk off the stage, shoulders touching close. I would have loved to have seen that. I would have killed for that. That would have been. Instead, we get get that little kind of gasp from Blaine. It's like, okay. Well, I mean, and I do understand why they gave us what they did. Because Kurt and, you know, um, kudos to Chris and his acting. He's sure. He's like, yeah, we're doing this. We are. Like, it is on. Um, but yeah, it would have been nice to see a little bit more physicality between the two of them as they walk together, like close and touching and yeah. Um, especially there's like, one thing I noticed before we jump into the end part of it is that there's a lot of times in the script where, where Finchel are like making out and everything. And we don't get a lot of that from Kurt and Blaine. So yeah. to even take out what little that they had just kind of makes me sad. So, mm-hmm. especially when it's yeah. good stuff like that. You know, and it's interesting because if we're getting into the actual, the final, we'll just, we'll save the sex scene, even though it's really not what we really got. Um, they do cut quite a bit of, of Blaine and Kurt, but they had to cut a lot of Finn and Rachel out. Because, I mean, by the time you get to the end, it's almost entirely Finn and Rachel and that's it. Yeah, it is. They have a, like a whole extended scene. We don't need to really go through it, but. Yeah, but it's almost like they tried to balance it out, and then they had to, and this is when we probably get into the censors, and the censors are like, look, you can't see the two, like, you can see them, you should, you can show them kissing, you can show them in bed, you can, but you can't show them kissing in bed. Yep. <laughs> well, and it's Maybe. like, because I, I think well, getting to the end, um, I'm jumping over all the Finchel stuff, and then it says, on stage, Blaine and Rachel as Tony and Maria kneel side by side, surrounded by the dress shop set. Beautifully, deeply romantic lighting illuminated lovers. Blaine and Rachel singing um, One Hand and One Heart. Uh, Blaine touches Rachel's cheek. Match two. Um, We get the Finchel moment. And then um, to Blaine's bedroom. Blaine takes Mm -hmm. Kurt gently by the hand and leads him towards the bed. 
Ed, Blaine sings as Tony. And as Blaine gently kisses Kurt, we move to um, Finn and Rachel. Finn tenderly kissing Rachel. So I think what happened was you had a lot more. I think, okay. So I think what happened was, was this. I think the network said you can't have Kurt and, Ra- you can't have Kurt and Blaine kissing in bed. And they're like, okay, well then Finn and Rachel aren't going to be kissing in bed either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they had to balance it out, and that's what happened in the end. Although it's really sad that we don't get this part. Like, the Blaine takes Kurt by the hand and leads him towards the bed, and they gently kiss. And I'm like, God, that would have been such a tender moment. And I'm sure that's probably one of the things they did film, according to Chris Colfer's interview, according to Liam Michelle's oh, yeah. interview. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was actually, it was a Paley Fest. It was either Paley Fest or one of the fests that they do where they did like the whole big group. Everybody's out on a, it was probably Paley. It was Paley. Yeah, Darren was uh, sitting next to Chris. They were in director's chairs. I remember the whole thing. Cause the whole thing was just like, Oh yeah. I think there was actually a competition on this. Cause it's just like, well, we heard that you guys were like really hot in your scene. So we had to out hot you or something. Yes. Yep. That was Lee yeah. Michelle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the ending part of this is as Rachel and Blaine are becoming one before our eyes. They are caught up in the passion that seems almost private. Um, and then wow, uh, it's like a romance novel. Blaine's room. Blaine and Kurt now stripped down to their undershirts. They lie back down on the bed as their embrace continues. So they were supposed to be kissing while they lie back onto the bed and take off their shirts. Yeah, I'm really bummed that we didn't get to see this. And then yeah. it ends. And here's the. Here's well, does anybody else want them to put out a director's cut of this episode? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite cut of almost every episode. What are you talking? About? <laughs> can I include my favorite? Can I also include my favorite set direction? As fingers sure. over, embrace continues. Their kissing grows more fiery as we demurely pan over to the Duraflame. Duraflame. <laughs> <laughs> the first time brought to you by Duraflame. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to. Point out also the um, scene sixty. If you do not subtitle this one or the one, <laughs> it will be. <laughs> oh, it will. Yeah. Oh man. No, no, flame. No, it will. Duraflame is going to be in the title somewhere. <laughs> I was going to say though. Um, interestingly, we have all of this. We actually don't have anything with Kurt and Blaine after this. We just have a bunch of Finchel stuff. We also have 58 omitted. There's 61 is omitted. Something is omitted. I'm pretty sure it was claimed. (laughs) Because, you know, oh, man. But no, let's... Nine Nails video closer where you have those, like, those little bits where it's... Yeah. Black bar over it. I don't know if you guys are Zimbits fans, but it's sort of like that redacted in the last Zimbits. I am not a fan, but let me tell you, I have seen that redacted post... On my dash, eleven million times. So I know, like, I get the reference. And oh, jeez. I would love to know what they admitted. So, kind of running down, we get this the this last ending scene, which originally probably, you know, this is like the second or third draft. So who knows what the first draft was? But then censors probably say, you know, um, cut it down. We can't have them all making out on the bed or whatever. So they get these really tenderly two sex scenes. And then the censors probably said, you know what, this is too much. So we end up getting just them lying on the bed. And yeah, I love some of the really close-up shots that we get of them. That's really gorgeous. Like a rubbing thumb. 
young and we get eyelashes. <laughs> but at the same time, it's really sad that like, you know, we don't get anything else that, you know, that's it. That's kind of, you know, like this is what's, you know, has a warning in front I of wrote, it. I will tell you, I wrote more detailed, more descriptive, more dirtier stuff in my young adult novel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Than what they did. showed between them. Oh, another quick fact. I'm pretty sure in that same interview that Chris Culver said that he had offered to take off his shirt and they told him no. And they said no! You're the same shirt. I remember that. And they couldn't get him naked fast enough. Seriously, that was like, I know. It was like, by the time we got every, why did everyone think that like Chris Culfer was like all like, oh, I don't want to do, you know. Scenes. Yeah, no. I think Chris, I think it was just, Chris, I think got in shape for it and was disappointed when they said, oh no, never mind. He waxed, I think. Well, I don't know how much he really needed to, <laughs> oh, but we all know that, that Darren had to, but um, I think he does have some visible chest hair. And so I think that they had both, because, you know, none of the boys on that show could have any chest hair whatsoever except for Mr. Shoe. And <laughs> so let me paint it let me paint a picture for you. This is what we got cut out at the end of the scene. We get cut out this really you know, them walking off together off the stage, them going to the bed, them gently kissing before they lay down on the bed and start kissing more, according to Chris and Leah, that there is rolling around and making out and Chris could have been topless. I'm just or Kurt could have been topless. There you go, guys. That's the image that we did not get for the end of this yeah. episode. And may I add that basically what we got... Okay, who else was spoiled by, by the Australian promo? Me. And then was like so pissed off when realized that Australian the promo the morning was of the episode. So you guys want to give... I don't know. I don't know that one. What happened with that? Oh, what happened? They so showed the, the scene of them in bed. Oh. In a slow pan from fit, foot to head, which was basically the most that we got. Uh huh. They showed it. In it the was in the promo the for. Hair. Yeah, and oh, I remember because 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 the voiceover guys cutting blind finally. <laughs> <laughs> I have my Australian yes. accent, ladies and gentlemen. But then you watch watch the episode, and it's like. It's like That's it. That's the scene. They spoiled it. Like, it's like when you watch a movie trailer and you realize that they just showed you the best parts in the movie in the trailer. Like the ending of the movie is in the trailer. Mm -hmm. I, um, yeah. Can we mention the, also that, and I always forget about this because I always see it the right way, but Kurt and Blaine are upside down too. They are. Ah. Yes. Oh my God. And, that, and that's just like so confusing because you get so, because somebody flipped it and put it in a billion gifts. And then when you mm -hmm. finally do see the scene, you're like, wait, and like, Okay, is anybody else just like getting up from her chair, like turning up, trying to sit upside down? Like, wait a minute, I can't see that right. <laughs> yep, exactly. They all I remember is all those people work. who have flipped it for us since then. Yeah, yeah. I just remember getting up that morning. It was like the either the day of the episode or the day before the episode. It was like right before it aired, and it was five a.m. and it was the first thing I saw. Oh wow! Yeah. And there was also I wasn't some, prepared. Like, censorship. There was even some mumblings of the reason that they put them upside down because Rachel and Finn weren't upside down was that it would further obscure what you could see because <laughs> it's something psychologically with like your brain and how you kind of perceive things. What? Yeah, I've yeah. heard that too. 
Yeah. Um, can we we have we need to talk and mention the the condom the great condom debate of oh 2011. <laughs> Is it a shirt tag? Is it a condom wrapper? The world will never know. Is it kind of a, well, I mean, there, there is the con. It's like. What? The reason why the debate was so heated was because props tweeted the entire bucket of condoms they had on set. <laughs> I didn't know that. Which way they used later for like that. Um, don't you forget about me when they had for the trio that episode where Sam and Tina and Blaine mm-hmm. skin and bust into the guidance counselor's office or whatever. And so of course they're going to have buckets of condoms. They probably have plenty of scenes where they have buckets of condoms, you know, as a joke or what have you. Yeah. Well, well it just, there was definitely a condom wrapper in, um, I do. Yes. Yeah. Um, there was, yeah, there was also, there was yeah, also a bottle yeah. of tissue, tissue and all sorts of other cool stuff. <laughs> Kind of reminds me of how um, the product department, and man, we'll talk about this way more when I get there, but um, the product department for I Do when it's post claim sex and there's tissues everywhere and the bed's a mess and it's like. <laughs> like oh, I love the prop department. Yeah. Though there was to be, like, was this before they had sex or after they had sex or, you know? There was also, yeah, there was also like, did they get partially dressed after they were done? Were, you know, how far did they? One of them still had socks on, right? Or did they both have their socks off at this point? I can't remember. had socks on. Like, like, I I just feel like, who put his feet giggled? (laughs) Okay, can can I just point something out as far as like wardrobe and fashion and things like that? You never see Kurt in like sandals. He's always in like boots or something like that. Whereas Blaine, on the other hand, has an aversion to socks and doesn't really. He wears with like little bitty socky things. Here's the you thing know, the about his kind of Yeah. So, I mean, to me, it makes perfect sense that you would see Blaine not wearing socks at all and Kurt still in his because, I mean, you got to wear heavy duty socks to wear heavy duty boots. Oh, yeah. That's true. Not after sex. <laughs> 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 no, what I was thinking of, though, was um, in New New York, um, and you don't really see it in the episode, but it's definitely in the stills, that when they sing um, um, their duet together that I'm blanking on. Yes. Darren is wearing, or Blaine is wearing shoes that are slipper-like, but it's still weird. They are. They're slippers, but they're like the kind of slippers that like Darren from Bewitched would they're wear. They're like loafers. He's in his underwear, and he's wearing these, and it just looks so weird. I I'm was like, waiting for him to like bust out a smoking jacket and, and a cravat, like from Extraordinary Merry Christmas or whatever. Or an ascot, that's what I was thinking of. Ascot. Like a smoking jacket and an ascot, and those no, slippers. But like, this is like what he's wearing. I swear, like it is what you would see, like any guy in like the fifties or sixties. You know, I wear your grandma's. I wear your grandpa's clothes. I look incredible. So, it's a travesty that there is not a video to that song of all of Blaine's wardrobe choices. <laughs> oh my god! Video people, video people. Your your quest, should you choose to accept it, is to take Macklemore's thrift shop and do a video with all of Blaine's grandpa-inspired clothing. I think there might be like a ten or like a sixty-second one out there. No, I'm thinking about it, but like, no, it needs to be like a thing. Yeah. Oh. 
Um, getting back to the first time, kind of the subject I want to ask about wrapping up was how everyone reacted to this episode once it aired. Um, I wasn't in fandom um, after it aired. I was oh. I joined a little later. But if anybody wants to comment on that, I think well, there was it was it was like we were happy it was that they that they had done the episode. We wish we had gotten stuff. more of the actual sex, but bec- I mean, we didn't really get a whole lot of the Finn and Rachel actually having sex either. So it wasn't like we could complain. Right. And I think what, what really happened was as the season went on, because here's the thing you have this, and so you assume, oh, so they have a sex life now. Nope. Yeah. And the thing with this was, okay, so this is the sixth episode, right? Or no, fifth episode. This is the fifth episode. So this is actually the first time we see any, like, physical intimacy, anything, any kissing, anything between them that is not, like, holding hands or whatever since... Original song. Original song. Yeah. So on the one hand, we were like, oh my God, it's a sex episode. I can't believe we're getting a sex episode. And on the other hand, it's like you had this amazing, mind blowing kiss. And then we get Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And then we get all we get for the entire season. And I want to point out, I want to say something really quick. And I don't, I wish I had a source to this. Um, I'm, I feel bad not sourcing it. Um, there was an interview with one of the writers, I want to say Ryan Murphy, saying that after the West Side Story stuff was done, Fox said, no more West Side, no more musical stuff. We want pop music. We want a whole bunch of stuff. And they started changing a lot of things. So I'm wondering if one of the things that they said was, you know what? We don't want this quote-unquote gay stuff anymore. You know, give us more Finn and Rachel or something. Because it's very, after yeah. the first time, we get this shift. I don't know if it was very... Kiss that we got with, with, with a Britannia almost kiss, and then we got Figgins going, teen lesbians. Yeah. And they basically called it... was it very clear that, that the censors and the network were deeply involved in what they could and could not air. And, and I'm not one to sit here and count kisses or anything. I'm not one of that, that kind of thing. But mine is well, that there was just kind a... kind of what Phantom delved into at a certain point because we weren't getting anything. I, I mean, they weren't even, I mean, you know, I've been doing this meta. And, I mean, yeah, you know, glances are nice. But you can't convince me that, like, there's no physicality. I mean, there's, like, yeah, they're sitting next to each other in every scene. But there's nothing... To really, like, you got Mike and Tina every other episode slobbering all over each other in the background, and they, they're treating, you know... Chris Lane. and Darren sat closer to each other in behind-the-scenes photos than they did when the camera was on. Yeah. And there's documented proof of this, because I made a crack about something once, and it was a photo, a behind-the-scenes photo, and then somebody took that photo and put it side-by-side side of the actual still from the episode. They actually moved their chairs further apart. But they talked quite a bit about that. I'm trying to, I don't remember. There was I don't a six-inch rule. I did, like, a, I did actually, I did, a, like, a, a kiss count, okay? And I, I may have mentioned in an earlier um, episode that I thought that they had actually kissed more in season six than they did the entire series combined. Season uh, five gives them that. a run for their money, though. It does. They kissed once in season two, original song, once in season three, first time, 
Because one it, it was really just I a do, smooch. It wasn't even like a kiss. Well, that's two uh, in the first time. Well, no, no, no. But I was talking about the auditorium kiss in the first time. Oh, okay. That's true. I forgot. Yeah. First time, the okay, auditorium yes. kiss. Continue. Um, season four, the only time they kiss significantly is in the car during I Do. Yeah. Are you not counting that I little text? And they're broken up. Season five, they kiss twice in the, uh, in the first Beatles episode. Because they kiss when they get back together, and they kiss when they get engaged, and then they and don't kiss damn, again. Damn, that was a good episode. I know, and then they don't kiss again until New New York in episode fourteen. No, no, New Directions. Um, th- that in Tina's um, Tina's little fantasy, oh, they're making out on the bed. I'm counting that one because that was like a fantasy. Right. I, I still got to see it because they were making out on the bed, and that was awesome. Yeah. See, here we are, two seasons later, and they're making out on a bed. Yeah, that's what I bumped that. <laughs> but the only reason why we got to see it is because we knew they there was no way they were going to have sex in that scene because Tina was going to walk in and interrupt him. Right. And then season six, they had the elevator kiss and the elevator kiss. Then they had the kiss after Somebody Loves You after Rachel's party. Then they kissed twice in the wedding episode. Once when they get back together, once when they get married. Um and then I think, and then I think they have that one smooch in. Um, come true. No, they have a few like a quick pecks in um, the backup plan. They have a quick peck, and then the Untitled Rachel Berry project. Yeah. They, they don't. They have two in the backup plan, and they have mm-hmm. one in the Untitled Rachel Berry project. Yeah. So. So basically, uh, it seems to me that they were at the point where it's like, okay. They're both out of high school. We can let them make out like rabbits now. They can demonstrate casual affection now. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Because they're no longer in high school. They're in New York. So it kind of makes me a little bit sad that this episode was in season three because, I, I mean, I don't know. Season three is just, I feel like if this, it's, I mean, not that the, you know, if it had been done in season one, I think it would have handled differently. If it had been done in one of the later seasons, it would have been handled differently. It's just weird that during this particular season was the worst when it came to any kind of queer affection. Mm-hmm. It was just way yeah. censored. I mean, I, I almost feel like, I almost feel like either we could just have our, either they could have just let us keep and that, oh, they'd had sex over the summer and we can just assume they have a sex life and we don't necessarily have to see it or not, but just, we don't have to do, I don't know. If you had a choice, we could have done three things. We could have, A, just assumed that they had a sex life and never done a virginity episode. We could have I almost done feel like in some way, not that I, I wish they hadn't done this episode, but storyline-wise and because of their limitations due to censorship, the network, and whatever have you, I almost feel like that may have worked better for them. Well, what were the other choices? <laughs> I was going to say, well... Oh, the first okay, one. Yeah, first one was keep it as is, have them do like the like a big special losing your virginity episode. Um, I, I think that they they were better. We were better off when we assumed that they got down and dirty over the summer. Yeah, or even just assume that, or you know, they could have also waited, like after or, or until season, you know, four or five. Mm. True. That seems far fetched. Yeah, I mean, they were so. Yeah, I know. I really have a hard time believing that they were so yeah. bent also on on paralleling them with um, Finchel for so for long. That mm-hmm. they they just weren't going to wait on that. Rachel was definitely not going to be a virgin much longer. Um, I'd almost rather him not do that than have them be basically gay potential. Yeah, no, I would rather what? I would have rather them allude to it more than they did. Um, you know, because in season three, the rest of the season three, we don't actually get 
we get a commentary in that deleted box scene and then we get well, and, and that see that kind of makes you wonder uh, see okay they, they say that scene was deleted for time but this is a scene this is an episode where so much other stuff could have been deleted for time and that was what they chose to delete mm-hmm. and I feel like I, I often wonder if that scene was deleted because it was too racy with Kurt and his auction porn and his <laughs> see obligatory porn mention and oh, then yeah. Every time I do one of these, we end up bringing up porn. It's just something that's... I know, and RB isn't even here. <laughs> I know, right? She'd be so happy. She'd be so impressed with me. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, oh, and he says, kiss you whenever and wherever. Yeah, and then there was that whole we've gotten re- we've got a lot closer, and mm. like there's a lot of implication there, and then he basically flat out unintentionally proposed well and then after that look at dance with somebody and then he talk about um they talk about you know scheduled makeout sessions they don't say scheduled sexy times it's scheduled makeout sessions yeah and so i mentioned that when during yes no when she when rachel flat out says you know kurt you know you can't tell me it was blaine didn't ask you i marry him right now you would say no and he has that look on his face like well actually (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that's he because kind of already did. <laughs> I already did and I totally said yes and the, the really you know what my favorite thing about this is though is that in the finale when they go to Kurt's time locker time machine mm-hmm. or, or time capsule locker that's the word I was looking for the ring mm-hmm. is in there he goes yeah. oh there's that gum wrapper ring you made me that one time and I was like cannon yep it's nice to see Oh yeah, him. every single person would like cannon bitches. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I just bringing it back around to the first time. Uh, it's a it's a good episode. I'm glad that they went. I mean, kind of looking at the script, I'm glad that the director and the actors made choices that didn't reflect the script. Because and, and I hope to God that the writers rewrote a lot of that too, because I just. Mm-hmm. A lot of that was cringy. Yeah. So cringy. <laughs> All right. Well, wrapping up, is there anything that you guys want to touch upon that we didn't get to? This I can't I'm trying see to see anything. I'm looking at my notes. I think we covered just about everything. I mean, we I, I even mentioned, you know, the fact that the guy that the Peace Burns guy passed away. Um Yep, nope, I think we got it all. All right, well, um, that about. I wanted to bring up. Oh, sure. If I could. Oh, go for it. Is that um, when, yeah, when you were talking about the, um, the, the fact that there were times where they would sit closer during behind the scenes compared to when they were on screen, there was oh, a lot of yeah. talk about that. And there was even an interview done with that. <clears throat> and I, I wish I had a source, but I don't. But it was basically these guys are in conservative Ohio. And they're always in public together. Most of the scenes we saw between Kurt and Blaine were public scenes. Mm-hmm. They had to have a certain distance in between them in public in order to be safe. And so a lot of the, the you'd see a lot of Was the this an interview kids. from, a, from, one, from R, one of RAB? Yes. I know what you're and talking about. Yeah, and this that? caused a lot of backlash because then a lot of people were like, "A, if they're in the choir room, it's a safe space. Nothing's going to happen yeah. to them in there. Right. They could be but all over each that, other, and nobody would say anything." But that logic B, was still in there. 
is all I was, yeah. I, I just want to make sure that I mean that's where the, a lot of that was coming from, even with, yeah. with Chris and Darren at the time. Was mm-hmm. that well, and was a lot of see, then the other issue for fandom because I remember when this came out, the other issue for fandom was, well, you're going on and on about how they can only be a certain way in public, and that that's okay, but why don't you ever give them any scenes in private? And that's the big question. Mm-hmm. That's the big question. Where where were all the private scenes then, so that it could become more normalized? Right, exactly. Glee was really good at that. Glee was really good at helping America see that. Mm-hmm. The conservative right is not necessarily the best choice, but in this particular case, they did it. And I think that's where the censorship comes in. But mm-hmm. specifically when you're talking about how much distance they had in between them in, in scenes and where the, where they were sitting and where they were placing them, that had a lot to do with that perception, had a lot to do with that. Well, and I wonder, too, how much, um, especially post-season three, how much, and this is like a larger thing, but how much legalizing marriage equality played mm-hmm. on what they felt like could and couldn't show. Yeah, I don't know. But did a lot? Legal. They, it they was, it was legalized, I think, after... Was it legalized in season... At the end of season two, in June? No. June of 2011? Uh, in New York. In New York. And then well, in the I, rest I, of the country... It was, was 2015. Well, Martin Blaine still had to go to Indiana to get married. That's <laughs> yeah, right. Because that was, okay. yeah, because 2015, June 2015 is when the Supreme Court ruled. Right. Okay. And they'd already, fi- they'd already started filming this stuff. Okay. You yeah, know, there they'd was a lot, there's a big surge of states before that, but, and I think. That's right. Really, they were legalizing it everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, I think you and I had a conversation about it, Kitty, where you were like, I can just bet Ohio's going to be the last one. Uh, <laughs> and it yeah. actually was, because it was. It, it ended up. It came down to the Supreme Court ruling because the Supreme it Court was ruled, the, and they had the, to go with the, it. It was. It was they yeah, were not. Because we had a marriage equality Ohio. bill on the books, and they weren't having it. Yeah. Yeah. So they kept. They kept on. It kept on being. You know, sent back to the court. Sent back to the courts. Because I remember uh-huh. we were going through with with the Fifth Circuit because the Fifth Circuit is Louisiana, Texas, Mississippi, and our federal court. It went to the Fifth Circuit to be ruled on. But then the Ohio case, which what's what um, which circuit is Ohio and is Ohio, Tennessee? I'm not sure. The number of whatever that number of court, their case went to the Supreme Court. And when that happened, the Fifth Circuit Court said, look, what it doesn't matter what we decide, because the Supreme once the Supreme Court decides to make that decision. So Mm -hmm. we're just going to hold off. So so Fifth Circuit never actually ruled on. Because anything that they ruled on would have just been invalidated by whatever the Supreme Court said, whether they ruled for it or against it. Right, exactly. So they decided, you know, so since that happened at the same time, we (laughs) shrug, we think, well, we'll never really know what the Fifth Circuit Court, how they would have ruled. Their power, however, whispers that even with the makeup of that court, they they would have ruled in favor of marriage equality. Well, I think... um, I, I do think, though, whatever happens, like, between season four, uh, during season four, I think there were, I think that there was a, uh, oh, gosh, what am I trying to say? There were a lot more states going for marriage equality. I think there was a lot more uh, spotlight on LGBTQ 
issues. I think it just, I mean, not that it wasn't in the media before, but I think it became a little bit more mainstream after season three. And, and Glee started a lot of it. I mean, Glee yeah. definitely got a lot of balls rolling, but um, okay. I think that it, you know, they were able to do a lot more in later seasons, not only because the kids were older, but because, you know, society had changed. So, right. And that's true. Um, and, and, you know, and, and, you know, unfortunately, you know, with what happened to Corey, it also thrust Kurt and Blaine into more of the lead the couple role. That, yeah, they became uh, the super couple. So they they were suddenly, the, you know, as much as we, you know, don't want to use the term, but they were the gay finchel all of a sudden. Yep. You know, they were, they, they ended up getting a lot of what was supposed to happen to Finn and Rachel. Yeah. So, um, in some ways, I think that that may have helped too, because if they're your most popular couple next to Finn and Rachel, then you've got to show them. You can't not show them. And your show's already on the way out. Yeah. Right. You might as well go for broke, right? Might, yeah. I, I, I would like to argue, I don't think that Finchel, I think Clean was more popular than Finchel, but... You know, there were the leads. Well, see, it's a double-edged sword, I think, because I don't know if it was more popular, but we were definitely more vocal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That is true. We, yeah. <laughs> there, you can say one thing about cleaners. They are definitely a vocal bunch. <laughs> yes, we're not quiet. <laughs> well, um, with that, I guess we're going to wrap up here, and I want to thank you guys for joining me and talking about all of this, and um, thanks to the listeners for coming to visit. Next Sunday night, we're going to be back um, talking about um, Santana coming out um, and the election oh, and wrapping up a whole oh. bunch of stuff with that. So um, we'll talk to you next time. And thanks for listening. Thank you guys for joining me. Bye.